It can be incredibly motivating and exciting seeing someone unabashedly be their authentic self. There's no better example than the all-queer, all-women synth-rock pop band Hyenas. Sophie, the lead singer and guitarist of Hyenas, sits down with us to discuss how they create music through a queer feminist lens. So hi, I'm Sophie. I'm the lead singer and guitar player from Hyenas. Uh, the other three unfortunately couldn't be here today, but they are Jesse Robertson is our bass player, Jen Foster is our drummer, and Luvia Peterson is our synth player. And yeah, we're a, a four-piece indie rock um, synth pop band from Vancouver, BC. Uh, we've released a couple of singles this year, but our uh, debut EP drops early next year. So it's a, a pleasure to be talking with you today, Ryan. Well, the pleasure's all mine. I've been listening to your songs on Spotify, and they are just so good. And there's just so much behind the words that uh, you put out there. So we'll definitely talk about that. But the, the first thing, Hyenas, how'd you come up with that name? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because we always make the joke that all the good band names and most of the bad band names are already t taken. So, so it was actually quite a process to come up with the band name. Um, our kind of working title when we first sort of were thinking about creating this project was Hot Tidy, which was a play on words of hot mess of like, <laughs> now we're kind of all older in our 30s and, and 40s. And, you know, we we are a little bit more organized than in uh, prior projects when we were more in our, our 20s. Um, but then we settled on hyenas uh, because uh, Jesse actually found an article about the animal and they're just so cool. Like the, the animal hyenas, they're a, they're a matriarchal society. So they're ruled by an alpha female, which you don't see a whole lot in the animal kingdom. And even more badass about a female hyena is they actually have an elongated vulva that sort of acts as a pseudo penis so they get to dictate the who when and where of who they copulate with because if they you know don't want to have the advances of a male hyena they can literally like close up their weird sort of sock thing and deny access which we just thought was way too amazing to pass up on that so we get to talk about pseudo penises every time we talk about our band which uh as a uh, four queer women we uh yeah like to throw in a pseudo penis here <laughs> <laughs> and i mean what feminist icons though within the uh, animal kingdom right totally a hundred percent yeah the og feminists for sure yeah and i mean the weirdness of hyenas doesn't just end there i I, I think they're more closely related to cats than they are dogs. Yeah, that's the whole thing. They have a very like sort of androgynous thing going on. And yeah, exactly. It's like, are they a cat? Are they a dog? They're somewhere in the middle. And we like that kind of, you know, <laughs> flex of that for sure. Mm -hmm. So how did the group come together? How did you all meet? Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, Jesse and Jen, our bassist and drummer, actually knew each other from the Calgary music scene way back in, or I shouldn't say way back, but kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s. They were both, you know, kind of closeted queer kids, musicians, and they kind of like met each other. And, you know, they became sort of the dream team rhythm section of bass and drums. 
and they've played together in many a band, uh, Miss Quincy in the Showdown, Low Spin, uh, Dating Myself, and a few other projects kind of over the years. Um, so they met first, and then Jen also knew Luvia through a mutual friend. Um, and then when Jess, so Jen got out of Calgary, she moved to Vancouver. Jesse wanted to get out of Calgary. Um, so then Jen set up Jesse uh, with Luvia, uh, who owns Liquid Amber Tattoo uh, Shop in Vancouver, which is kind of one of Vancouver's kind of best and boutique tattoo and art collective, which is all fem female uh, owned and mostly operated. And uh, so Jesse needed a job. Um, so Jesse started working there and that was how she met Luvia. And then she kind of left the shop, but then they had a budding romance. And so now uh, Jesse and Luvia have been married for five, six years, something oh, around awesome. there. So that was kind of how they got together. And then I met Jen in 2017 when one of my old bands, I, I used to live in Edmonton. Um, one of my old bands had a few shows out for Vancouver Pride in 2017. Our drummer wasn't able to attend the show. Uh, so I was looking for some sub, for a sub drummer in Vancouver. A mutual friend set up Jen and I. And then that was sort of the beginning of our uh, romance. And so now we've been together five years. We'll be getting married next year. So uh, well, congratulations. See, yeah, so uh, it's nice to have a, a band of, of two couples because, uh, and and best friends, like now, you know, Jesse and Luvia, I've known them for as long as I've known Jen, and they feel like my best buds too. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of unglamorous things about touring. And, you know, it's just nice to be around your friends and, and your partner and uh, CBC actually uh, called us lesbian ABBA <laughs> as we're a, a band of two couples, which I feel like is much more appropriate than lesbian Fleetwood Mac, because <laughs> I don't think ABBA had much of the drama or the, the couple switching that Fleetwood Mac had, which I think we would like to stay in that side of things for sure yeah don't don't need the that sort of drama yes yeah for sure yeah and then how we actually started playing music because like i said we've all kind of had previous projects and then honestly it was the pandemic that really sort of motivated me especially to get going because i i'd been in a, a band before that folded for various reasons and i was just sort of floating a little bit and then the pandemic happened and I thought like god you just never know what's gonna happen so why am I just like sitting around not doing what makes me happy or kind of like focusing in on the challenging aspects and I just thought you know like I have this wonderful drummer who I live with at my disposal we've got these other two ready to like get on board so kind of why why wait and i think it's just so cool to not only be friends some of you are partners and like just having this very positive representation of both couples as well as just queer couples within a scene i think it's just so important to continuously get that out there and be like hey look how cool it is for those who are like growing up in more conservative places they're you know, they're nervous, they're scared about coming out of the closet, but when we we see groups like yours out 
and proud, it can be an inspiration for people to be like, you know what? I want to be my authentic self. And it's great. I feel like one nice thing about this band too, because we do, you know, quote unquote, brand ourselves as a queer band because that's who we are and our brand is who we are. We've gotten to play some um, Pride festivals this past year. So we got to play Fernie Pride. We played Vancouver Pride and we played Salmon Arm Pride. And yeah, playing those kind of smaller towns like Fernie and Salmon Arm, it's really cool to see, you know, the kind of like younger up and coming generation get to, you know, be out at something like this. And yeah, we, you know, a lot, a lot of them talk about the other members cause I'm the, the youngest one in the group. So I did kind of slide in to the queer scene in a little bit of an easier time um, than sort of, you know, coming out in the nineties, early two thousands. Um, but, you know, still today, like just last week, you know, at Club Q, like there's just so much hate still that you just, it's astonishing, really. So it is nice to kind of be out and be an ambassador for that community and, you know, try to help young queer kids as much as, as possible. Even here in Canada, we hear a lot of things we have uh, politicians that are still in support of, um, oh no, I'm blanking. What's it called? Uh, the camps that they send gay, gay oh, yes. queer kids yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, well, I yeah. I can't remember the name right now. Um, of course I'm blanking on it. Yeah, yeah. I know what you conversion mean. Conversion like, therapy. Conver conversion therapy. Yes. That is yes. it. You know, we still have politicians that are in support of that. Or if you ask them, it's like, well, will you, uh, I can never remember if it's not condone or condone is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean, though. Like we just had our, our Vancouver election for a mayor and the school board candidates. And, you know, you have like lists of so many candidates because anyone can kind of put their name forward. So I was looking through like getting my ballot ready before I went to vote. And I couldn't believe there was three candidates that their main platform was all this like anti-trans rhetoric. And that was so surprising to me because I, I keep my social media like very bubble, like I am kind of in a bubble and like the content I want to see is, you know, people who have the same values and ideals of, as me because that just is how I kind of keep tabs on my own mental health. For sure, for sure. So I was blown away you know, of course, I acknowledge that there's, you know, bigots out there and, and all that, but I didn't really realize in a, you know, a city like Vancouver that is like somewhat progressive, that people on the school board, that that, that would be their platform. It just was mind-blowing to me. Yeah, that there's a... The thing. There's been a lot of, like, a lot of these individuals that are, like, representatives of the far right, they've gotten very emboldened over the past couple of years. And it's not just in the States or Canada that we're seeing this kind of right-wing conservatism taking hold in places. It's kind of worldwide right now that we're seeing kind of a right-wing shift. And I've had a conversation with a, like conversations with a lot of people about like, you know what, now's the time. You know, the, the people beforehand, like Stonewall, for the queer community coming out, standing up for rights, like it paved the way for where we could be today. And, you know, we're at a point where I'm uncertain what the reality will be for queer folks 
yeah. moving ahead. So this is an important time to come together, see those that are out in the media and kind of like in the public eye and just be like unabashedly queer and open and, you know, stand together arm in arm. I do still have hope that I think those, you know, right and alt-right voices are can be the loudest, but I, I have hope that they aren't the majority. You know, I, 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 yeah, I think it's, you know. Well, based on polls and stuff, it doesn't seem like they are. It's just getting people mo- motivated to get out and vote. That's the, that's the big struggle. Yeah, it's nice to kind of, you know, make art, but we definitely do try to kind of stand our values behind the art that we're creating too, for sure. And a lot of people say like, oh, this topic or this topic, it's not political. Everything is political. Politics is not just listening to politicians and going out to vote. It's everything. It's when, you know, we're having a conversation right now. This is political, talking about the importance of individuals being able to be themselves and creating uh, a society where everyone is treated fairly equal and that, you know, it's just, you know, there's just a love, a lot of love going around. That That's all we want. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think people that hate on that are, it, it is because that they don't allow themselves their own freedom because of, you know, the patriarchy and just sort of like society in general and its roles. And I feel like those people who hate queer people so much, it's because they haven't allowed themselves to live true to themselves. And that's why they can't stand when other people just want to live their lives. And it's just wild to me how many people care really of you know it's like just let people do what they want to do as long as they're not hurting anyone what is the issue is is quite mind-boggling well i i have a theory and my friends kind of share it with me that some of the most vocal individuals are probably queer themselves and have a lot of like self-hate they're trying really really hard to just separate themselves from those feelings that they have. And I feel like you see that quite a lot in the news is kind of discovering those, you know, Republican, you know, people and then are having affairs, the same sex affairs and Yeah, wild. so coming back to your uh, music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a, a lot of it come, comes from this queer feminist uh, lens. Uh, why is it important for your group? And I mean, we've probably touched yeah, on yeah, it, for but sure. when you're creating your songs, why is it important to kind of come at it from that aspect? Listening through little trophies, like I really feel a very powerful message in there. It, it sort of happened naturally in a way because like we're, we're very collaborative on, on the musical side of things, but, but I uh, write all the lyrics and, you know, when you just think about what you want to say or experiences that you've had like those things are what I want to be on stage and sort of being kind of mad about and just like yeah like that's what gets me fired up to sing and and perform is is thinking about those experiences I've had or or stories that I've heard from friends about you know being undermined or overlooked or taken advantage of or feeling like you can't say no or being sort of backed into a corner or oh if you're this way you're 
you know, you're a, if you're too assertive, you're a, a bitch or if you're, you know, too whatever, you know, you're meek and just kind of that um, molds that really the, the, the more that I kind of come to understand, I, I feel like, you know, both men and women and just like the gender binary really confides both genders, you know, like I, I feel like men have it have a hard time too with the sort of toxic masculinity like that is so hard for men too and I feel like feminism is for everyone um but for me and my experiences they come from you know being a cis woman so I I write sort of more what I know um but I definitely acknowledge that yeah, the gender binary is is hard on all genders of the spectrum, for sure. I, I would consider myself a gender abolitionist, but I know that's not something that can happen overnight, right? right. Like, we're, we're kind of living in, like, this is how society is, and we're kind of slowly shifting with, you know, acknowledging of non-binary folks and just, like, trans individuals that it can be more complicated than just a man and a woman, Right. Like, humans sure. are complicated. Your internal experiences and, you know, what you think, thoughts and feelings, it has to be more than just two options. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you and, and there's just so much variety within any of the options, too. You know, how, like, do you watch any um, RuPaul's Drag Race? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it reached <laughs> the end on Netflix, so I'm a little <laughs> disappointed about that. <laughs> but yes, love the show. <laughs> Yeah, and the the season with Got Mick. Uh, did you? Got Mick is so awesome. I love oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, just so iconic, and and really, just I feel like that is just the best of like, okay, being a a, a trans man doesn't have you know one trans man is not the same as another trans man, and just I feel like they really just like all encompassed. And I think it was just so cool because breaking it down, like Got Mick, he him or. Um, Oh no, I can't I can't remember his real name again. Oh no. Oh, I don't remember or I don't know if I ever knew. Cade, Cade. I think it was Cade. Cade. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So Cade, he him, but when he goes into drag, he's taking on that persona of Gotnik, which is yeah. she her. So it's just really fun seeing like, hey, you know what? This gender thing, let's just explode it, right? Yeah, so I'm I'm constantly, you know, inspired too by the queer community and learning too. I, I feel like as a cis woman, like I, you know, even in the last five years, I've realized how, you know, little I've known about the trans community and just like really trying to be a, a better ally too. And yeah, just because, yeah, we we just haven't yeah you i mean if you want to know you have to seek out the knowledge you can't you, to, you know kind of ex expect to be taught yeah so. like we're, when people say i just don't get it i just don't get it well then go out and learn about it right like if you say i just don't get it which means you're not putting in any effort to try and understand it and i think that's kind of part of uh, when we're talking about feminism like includes everyone that's that's kind of all that aspect. Feminism's just, it's like a movement of equality, right? For sure, for sure. And when yeah. we're looking at the manosphere and that sort of misogynist aspect, they're taking men that are kind of been disenfranchised by our modern society 
and they say, like, feminism, like, blah, 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 it's trying to take away your rights, and blah, 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 like, they're being kind of thrown off kilter, and they're thrown into this horrible space that just kind of reinforces really, really bad behaviors, and I, I, through feminism, like, we can also help in, like, men's rights, which I feel mental health, being able to be open about your, your feelings, not this constant need to be stoic and oh your only value in society is how much money you make and just yeah god forbid yeah you have any feelings and exactly then you bottle them up and do god knows what you know i'd feel like yeah it's i for sure feminism is for everyone and yeah we like to to stand by that when you're writing music what what is your favorite aspect of coming together as a group and creating these pieces. Yeah, so it's funny. I feel like, I mean, I I definitely will admit that I like, you know, get afraid of the blank page. And, you know, I, I do have like insecurities about songwriting and, you know, can, you know, feel very like down on myself about certain things. Um, but then when this, the seed starts to grow and just like, you know, taking things to, to, cause usually if, if I've kind of started the song idea, it'll be sort of a demo on an acoustic guitar and then like taking it to Jen and her like coming up with really cool drum beats. And then yeah, Jesse will come and do a great baseline and just sort of seeing the seed grow and have these different influences, um, so present in it like our our songwriting is very collaborative which i like because i i find that bands who have only one songwriter their songs can get a little bit same same you know whereas i (laughs) i feel like having you know jen's influences where you know she's very kind of uh foo foo fighters and nirvana and like sort of that like very drum heavy stuff and you know jesse's kind of like she was sort of from like a more like ska world, but she's very like love Cindy Lauper and kind of that aspect. And I feel like I'm kind of like early Tegan and Sarah and metric and, you know, Luvia's is like a little more old school with like George Michael and the Go-Go's and kind of, or Bananarama and like those kind of aspects. And it's really fun to kind of like pick and choose from different eras and different genres. And we've been surprised how much we've been, uh, compared to the Go-Go's, I feel like that's what we get the most and kind of this like 80s um, influence, which we weren't necessarily going for, but it's just sort of what's what's It's just what happened. this beast has become. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I just think seeing ideas grow and, and come together and and evolve. Um, yeah, it's it, it really is magic, really, to sort of see these songs take shape and and you know they're uh, another level which is our latest single that we released that at one point was our weakest song because th- there was just a few things that weren't really working and then it was just a few tweaks of like we changed kind of the speed of the phrasing of the of the lyrics and then it just sort of blossomed in, into now what we think is our our strongest song so it's just funny to see those the songs take shape it's like releasing your your children out into the world for sure the works i mean you got four songs on spotify that i've been listening to and they are just so 
so amazing. I, I don't know too much about music. I'm more about when I hear something, just getting into the feelings of it. I'm, I never know what the influences are, things like that, but I can feel like, wow, this is an awesome group coming together in this collaborative piece, and I can feel the passion and love that went into it. I'm really glad that comes through. That's that's really nice to hear for sure. And yeah, it's, I mean, it you know, just even getting to meet you and talk to you, like I feel like the music industry these days is very, very dilu diluted, diluted. Um, like there's a lot out there. I think Spotify gets like, I don't know, I don't know the number, but I'm just going to throw one out there like 50,000 new singles a day or 100,000 new singles you know a day. What? I'm or... actually going to Google it right now. Yeah. How many singles added to Spotify? Sorry, I talk when I type. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's good. That's good. I feel like on radio, it's good to to talk as you're doing uh, it. Spotify action. uploads 60,000 new tracks every day. Yeah, so that's a ton of noise to sort of sift through. So it, it's it's really special to hear when, you know, obviously a music lover, uh, that it sort of strikes a chord with you is is kind of what, what we're here for, for sure. When someone's coming in and they're like, oh, music is hard, but I'm really passionate about it. How do I get out there? How do I get heard? What advice would you give for those kind of budding artists? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, like I said, like this is not our first band. Um, and so we've really used our kind of like collective knowledge and collective experiences and do's and do nots to kind of really channel into making this band sort of as successful as possible. And by success, I don't mean, you know, doing stadium tours. I just mean to like get to play fun shows with your friends and, you know, make a record or hopefully multiple records that, that you're proud of. Um, but definitely advice I would give is to just have a plan. You know, I feel like it's so tempting to record a song and want to release it right away and like, oh, it's finished. Like, let's put it out into the world. But we recorded our songs in September of we did two in September of 2021 and then four more in April of 2022. And we didn't release the first one until June of 2022. Um, so yeah, some, when the album comes out early 2023, some of those songs were recorded in 2021. So, you know, you just really have to kind of, you know, do some research about release cadences. That was kind of a big one to like, you know, and again, also you don't want to record all your songs and then just release them all at once. Cause then already they're just old now. So you kind of have to like, I don't know, play the game a little bit of sort of release schedules and that kind of thing. But then also I think just like be your authentic self, which is kind of a, I don't know. I feel like if I was young, I would be annoyed to hear that answer, but that really is it. You know, like you can't, chase trends because by the time you try to catch it it's gonna be a different trend you know so you just have to be authentic and that's kind of what people gravitate towards and I think about like musicians that I love they're not necessarily the best but they make me feel something you know and that's that's what yeah people like and people embrace the quirk and embrace the you know humanity of of things and you know also like use what you want and and don't use what you don't want like you know we 
all of us as individuals were kind of of the era of Instagram. So we like do a lot on Instagram, but we're not TikTokers because we're old, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, so we like, we have a TikTok, but we don't spend a whole lot of energy on it because to us, it's more important to make, to write the songs than it is to mess around with TikTok and maybe get our 15 minutes of fame there. So it's just about sort of, you know, picking and choosing what you naturally want or like or are good at and then just using that to your advantage, I guess. So Sophie, absolute pleasure talking with you. Where can people go to find out more about the hyenas and you know, what's in the hyenas future? Yeah, so uh, our website is www.hyenasband.com and it's spelled H-Y-A-E-N-A-S band.com. Uh, so lots of info there. Our Instagram is, is the best place to follow us, which is at hyenasband, same spelling as the website. Um, like I said, we're releasing our record early next year. Uh, February 2nd, I think, is is the release date of the full digital EP. Um, we're playing Cold Snap Festival in Prince George uh, in January. Uh, we've got our Vancouver record release, like official vinyl release, but maybe I won't say the date because we haven't really announced that yet. But that's coming. And yeah, we're kind of in the in the process right now of fully planning out our 2023, but we'll be out east, maybe June. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see how things go. Have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight? Leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk. And have yourself a good one.